QuoteSpec is the newest building and construction quoting app created and designed by a working builder. Produce job-winning professional quotes in minutes with QuoteSpec's cloud-based quoting software. Get your free trial at www.quotespec.com and be prepared to get your life back. In this episode, we sit down with Paul Pizzaris and find out about his journey from being a Melbourne lawyer to now being the Managing Director of the Open Mind Institute in Brisbane. Enjoy. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to Trade Mutt's 120 Grit podcast. Uh, today we have Paul Pizzaris, our special guest. He's a qualified lawyer, um, executive coach, and as well as founder uh, and managing director of the Open Mind Institute. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. No worries. Thanks for being here. So, uh, firstly, we just want to know a bit more about your, your background and how you, you began, became to start uh, Tommy. Right. Well, I would say, like, I guess for the ben- benefit of your listeners, like, we we met about, I don't know, six months to a year ago. Six, eight months mm-hmm. ago, I'd say. Working on this MindFit Founders event. And one thing that struck me was that we have similar backgrounds, but just the industry was completely different. Yep. Um, so, I was in professional services. I was a lawyer for about um, just shy of 10 years. And, um, you know, how... Tommy came about, that was your question, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, was, I myself was experiencing, I would say, you know, adverse mental anguish, sometimes on a daily basis. Um, that was on the career front. In in my personal life, I, I had family, um, even someone who's very close to me that, that took their own life. Um, and... You know, so mental health has always been on the radar. So I've experienced it myself, had people close to me um, who, who have experienced it. And how Tommy came about was I was no longer happy as a lawyer, to, to, put, it, uh, to put it bluntly. And I thought to myself, you know, why not use some of these tools that I was using? Because before going into the law, I studied behavioural science. So I've always been extremely fascinated and curious about the human mind yeah and so i would use some of these tools that that i had uh, learned along my way that were helping me with stress and i was helping colleagues and and uh, i thought to myself why not do something with this and uh you know take it to the masses so that's more or less how how the upmind institute came about cool yeah. so yeah. how how did you i guess find your career as a lawyer your 10 years yeah. in law because um it's obviously you know quite a can be a, a stressful career and lots yeah. of long hours and, and pressure in the office and um most definitely um look i think from the outset it started almost as a bit of a um i think i was a little misguided it's not like suits well <laughs> see that's what you're sold and you know when, when you're at law school you know and your motivators are different back then you know, when you're studying to, to, to what it is actually like in, in the real life world. So I started law with a completely different outlook and I was a completely different person to who I was back then. Um, and um, look, I don't know whether to, uh, to let you know about, I, I had this encounter with, with this individual who really changed the trajectory of my legal career. I always wanted to practice in commercial law, but ended up practicing uh, in the criminal jurisdiction 
Um, and that was because I met uh, Hurricane Carter. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. The, yeah, right. The, the, the boxer. Yeah, cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. No, As in, know. this is the story of the hurricane. This, yeah. So, oh, right. Yeah. yeah oh, Denzel Bob Dylan played, song. By, played Bob by Denzel. Denzel. Bob yeah. Dylan's yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So for the listeners, I guess, who don't know, he was um, African-American boxer in the, in the height of the civil rights movement. He was um, picked up, arrested in Detroit. He was with a mate of his, and he was basically thrown in jail. Uh, framed for a double murder that he didn't commit, and he spent twenty years in prison for for this murder. Uh, and I was really fortunate to meet him because um, when I met him, he he was a spokesman for the Innocence Project. So the Innocence Project is this university uh, course done at some unis that seek to really help inmates who've always proclaimed their innocence. So they write into the Innocence Project and a handful of students work with lawyers and barristers and try to, I guess, reopen the, the investigation, so to speak. Yeah, right. And incredibly important initiative in the US, for instance, right, when, when, where you have people on death, death row. Yeah, mm. that's a huge thing, yeah. yeah. Mm. So the hurricane, he was uh, the spokesman for the Innocence Project. He came out to Australia, was doing all these speeches at unis uh, titled Dare to Dream. And this, this guy just struck me as having this incredible aura about him because I thought to myself, well, you know, if I was in prison for, for something I didn't do, I would be consumed with hatred and Anger. rage. yeah, big time. And, um, and just, you know, spending five minutes with him, as I said, literally changed my outlook on life and how I deal with people. Um, so that's, I guess, the area, how the area came about, you know, the, the criminal jurisdiction side of things. But to answer um, your question as to what it was like, you know, I, I did experience burnout um, because when people come to, to to lawyers, as you might know, no one's ever bloody happy, you know. Mm, mm. Um, there, there's a big sort of emphasis on, on the monetary side of things. And all that aside, I think the legal profession as a whole um, – has it got that? It's got a lot of catching up to do, you know, mm. because they're consumed with their own self prestige, and mm. uh, and a lot of it is ego driven. So whilst I did get some gratification in in helping people, at the same token, I was under the pump, long hours, uh, completely stressed, and there was a complete mismatch in my head. So this is goes goes back to the disillusion disillusionment mm. fact I was telling you about as to what it was going to be like and what it was actually like. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So would you say, I guess, your encounter with the hurricane, Yeah, I guess, you know, sort of brought about more of an empathetic, I yeah. guess, side of your, you know, personality yeah. and, and in, your, in your law practice? Most, most definitely. Um, yeah, with, without a shadow of a doubt. He taught me something really important, which I then took to my clients. He said, um, when you're sitting down with someone for the very first time, you know, like we're all wired to have this internal narrative. Like we're all conditioned to instantaneously, I guess, stereotype people, right? He said, but when you're sitting down with someone, whether it's a new person or a client, you've got to have this mental dialogue that says, hey, you know, we've got more in common with the things that, that, that divide us, so to speak. And he said, if you have that, then, you know, people are quite intuitive. Like people will pick up on that energy and they'll pick up on your eye contact, your body language, and then the communication will, will just flow. I suppose it's a trust thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, building up rapport and trust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing no, to no. think that uh, he's yeah after twenty years inside, yeah, um, can come out it's as like you a Mandela say, thing yeah. too, isn't it? Yeah, so like they're the yeah, ones that stand on. out. Yeah, spot on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That like when we're talking grit. Yeah, I mean, I think Good that's probably right there, yeah, isn't it? Resilience, it, it? yeah, for yeah. sure. That's really cool. So, with um, you were speaking a bit earlier about um, when you were practicing law, you were you had ways of 
uh, looking after you, managing your own stress and, and looking yep. after your own mental well-being. Is that something that you taught yourself or something that you learnt through someone else? Or It was something I learnt through someone else. Yep. And um, I guess I'll just share how, how that something else came about. It all came to a head with me. Like I, I remember this specific event. Like I was dealing with people's lives day in, day out, but it was that compounding effect um, that broke the camel's back and, and that specific event was um, I was in the Melbourne Magistrates Court, Friday Arvey, and dealing with about 10 matters that day. Got the call from the office that said, look, there's a young Indigenous fellow in the cells, one of our clients, you've got to go see him. So I did that, spoke to him, and I could tell off the bat he had uh, mental health issues, he was suffering from mental health issues, and his instructions were, you've got to get me out of here, Right. So that's, that's what I did. I went upstairs. I lined him up with all these services. He was to, to see a psych uh, on the Monday. He was to report to the cop shop every day. And so I got him bail. That was Friday, RV. Monday morning rolls around. I, I do my due diligence. I, I go to give him a call to make sure he's en route to the psych appointment. And um, his cousin picks up the phone and she says, oh, Paul, it's you. She said, thank you very much. After you got Dan, Daniel Bale on Friday afternoon, he, uh, he stepped in front of a train and took his own life. Wow. Right? And, and so, of course, I started second-guessing myself. I thought to myself, if, if you didn't get him bail, he'd still be alive. You know? But I'd become a bit, I guess, resilient because, as I said, I, you know, I was dealing with stuff day in, day out. But um, I was very fortunate to, to have a friend in the legal profession who said, you've got to try mindfulness out. And it was on his recommendation I went to a mindfulness meditation class in Carlton, Melbourne that week. And I came out of there, guys, and it was like I had a new lease on life. It's like all of a sudden I just saw things from this bird's eye perspective. Mm. And I thought, wow, what was that? So that's when I guess the curiosity was sparked in me. That's when I started researching practicing it and i've been doing it consistently since then and that was about 12 years ago now wow that's crazy and yeah, yeah completely changed my life that, um yeah it sort of um yeah strikes a chord um with me like my sister's a, uh, P, a nurse at the pa emergency nurse yeah and um it's similar sort of thing to that it's like every day she's a part of the hardcore part of society, like there's people coming, yeah. they're dying on the table in front of her. Stuff should and, be seen, yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 um, I said to her, I said, I was like, you know, what is what is out there for the staff? And she's like, oh, well, you can't cry. Like, yeah. you're not allowed, like, if you're not allowed to cry <laughs> There's work. no time to cry. You know what I mean? Too bloody busy. So, like, yeah. and, and for you, like, you're working for a, a legal um, firm. That's mm. happened. Like, yeah. There was no nothing in place for you, no. like from uh, yeah, like that's insane, isn't it? You know what I find interesting about that story about Daniel is, you've done, you know, all the right things, yeah. you know, what you would think is in in his you know best interests, and still, and this I think this is the whole thing with suicide is, yeah. there's still the well, what if, you know, yeah. what if I had done this, or you know, there's still even when you've done the right things, yeah. Exactly. It's, yeah, it just doesn't go away, does mm. it? Um, so it's really incredible. That's a yeah, powerful story. Yeah, that is, yeah. So you moved from Melbourne, came up to Brisbane yeah. and started, Tommy? Moved back to Brizzy. I did full circle. I was born and raised here and um, and the missus gave birth to twin girls, so we needed the family support, came back to Brisbane. <laughs> and um, Here you go, Mum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I practised in law. That was my final year, just in a, in a boutique practice. Um, and I... Th- I just, you know, it was enough for me. Like it got to the point where I was depressed going to work every day. Mm. 
wasn't happy at all. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Tommy was founded, I think it was at the tail end of uh, 2017. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, never awesome. looked back, never been happier. So. Mate, yeah. that's great, yeah. Big turn of, well, I mean, it's a massive change, isn't it? It is. That yeah. in itself as well, you know, I think we've probably been through, you know, something similar where you've got a career or you've got a job yeah. and, you know, you just, not that we were necessarily depressed in, you know, what we we're doing, but, you know, it's a life change, a massive change. It is. Step into the unknown. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it takes a lot of balls. Yeah, it does. And something I struggled with initially, and there's a great sense of irony in the fact that I was training people to be, you know, mentally happier, but I, I struggled myself initially. Like with the cash flow, mm. I went from having, you know, pretty good, mm. pretty good wicket to having absolutely nothing. So the, the effect that had on my relationship was tremendous. Mm. And I'll tell you what, there were some dark days because, you know, I think as males, we are wired to be the provider, Water. so to yeah. speak, right? And I've got three little kids. In addition to my twin girls, I've got a seven-year-old son who's in grade two. Um, you do start second-guessing yourself. And if it wasn't for the tools that I that I have in meditation and mindfulness and these other areas that I'm gathering we'll discuss, um, you know, it would have been just a down downhill trajectory for yeah. me. Yeah. So, well, sorry, that's mm. interesting because you say, um, yeah, when you go out and you step out, you know, on your own and the Open Mind Institute and, you you know, you're preaching mindfulness yes. and then the, you know, the, the flip side of that is is that you're a startup, yep. no no that's, income and you're sort right. of being forced to practice what you preach, you exactly. know, to a degree. I mean, yep. we, we I've filled out, you know, replied to an email this morning where I was asked how do we, you know, in, in the small business, what tools and techniques have we got in place to ensure the mental well-being of ourselves? Yeah, right. And I was kind of thinking, <laughs> you know, Practice what you preach. Like sometimes it, it, it yeah. is. There's a lot. There's a lot going yeah. on, and you know you have to you have to check in and, and really you exactly know, yeah. and make sure that, yeah, that you're okay and that mm. you're the priority in getting yeah. through it. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, bloody yeah. oath. Well, um, I'd love to know more about um, you know how our listeners um, can sort of you know get into um, practicing mindfulness and and, yeah. and things like meditation. What does it What does it all mean, Paul? Yeah. What What the hell right. does it all mean? <laughs> Layman's terms, right? Well. Let, let me uh, let me flip it back on you guys. Like, what's your understanding of mindfulness? Well, my, from from our or from my basic understanding, it's sort of um, living more in the moment rather yeah. than anything you know in the future or in the past. It's sort of encompassing what's going on, yeah, um, on a day to day basis. Basically, yeah, yes, yeah. spot on. Yeah, I am. Um, I really am. Um, Always something always stuck with me uh, from one of our mates, Nick Sutherland, who's a, a, a mental health practitioner yeah. in Victoria. Yeah. Um, Depression is being stuck in the past and, you know, concerned yeah. with things that have happened in the past. Anxiety is, you know, concerned for the future and yeah. things that haven't happened yet. Yep. And on that spectrum, there's a there's a sweet spot right in the middle there where you yeah. kind of, yeah, you're right in that moment. You're not, not too concerned with what has happened or what yeah. will happen, but you're just, you're just living. You're living, yep. mate. I think you're... Um you're bang on, Dan, with that analogy. That sweet spot is mindfulness. Mindfulness is all about being present and anchoring your consciousness to the here and now. Um, there's a study that came out that says, you know, we spend about half our waking lives either consumed with stuff that's happened in the past or, you know, fretting about stuff that may or may not happen in the future. And they reckon it's this mind-wandering that's the root cause of people's unhappiness and mental mm. health concerns. So, look, mindfulness, and I just want to sort of dispel a bit of the, the misconception out there. The hippy-dippy side of things, yeah, is it? Yeah, I mean, you know, people still dismiss it as being a wishy-washy sort of Eastern thing. 
Uh, don't know too much about it, but uh, I, I consider it as a psychological, conscious, deliberate process. It, it's been around since, you know, before the days of Buddha. So we're talking about, you know, between 2,500, 3,000 years ago, you had these ancient civilizations, these Vedics and Hindus practicing different forms of mindfulness. And, um, and you know, mindfulness was brought here to the West in the early 1900s, was largely forgotten about to the 1970s when you had this dude, John Kabat-Zinn, uh, he's, he brought it to, to the States and it became popular from then. But I think in our contemporary society, it's only the last 10 years or so that it's become this catchword. And, um, you know, more or less to just simplify it, I think we've already articulated what it is. It's just about being completely present in the moment, but also catching yourself when your mind does tend to wander and bringing that attention back to the present moment. And the other really important element, guys, is having this sense of being non-judgmental, right? So I like to think of our thinking, of our thoughts, um, and our mental state as a bit like the sky. So, you know, just picture a pristine blue sky. When you're in a happy headspace, it's blue, it's sunny, it's perfect. But as we know, inevitably with the weather, you're going to have bloody storms and there's always going to be clouds there. So mindfulness is just being mindful of the fact that you know, don't beat yourself up if you're in a dark headspace or if there's clouds. Things will get better. Thoughts are transient. Yeah. 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 No, that's um, interesting. Um, yeah. I guess, um, I don't know, would, would you say, I mean, we, we definitely preach, you know, a non-judgmental approach as well. I mean, I think that's particularly for blokes, yeah. you know, is that's one thing when, when we send a shirt out that, you know, our customers get a, a card saying, you know, uh, you now act with compassion, empathy, and we take a non-judgmental approach, and that's you know yeah. key to remembering. Would you say, um, you know, emotional intelligence um, sort of goes hand in hand with mind- mindfulness and understanding? You know, when your when your mind does slip, yep. You know that that you can recognise it for what it is, yeah, rather great, than great being question, yeah, yeah, rather than being consumed by it. I guess I think things like emotional intelligence are definitely part of the overlap that mindfulness brings. Right, so if you have cultivated making mindfulness a part of your daily routine, you can then catch yourself. There's a crucial gap between stimulus and response. Right, neuroscientists say it's about five seconds. So a lot of us, you know, every day we're on on life's receiving end. We're at the whim of all these messages and challenges and confrontations and we're wired in accordance with our subconscious program to just sort of react. But what mindfulness teaches you is to act or to breathe, right, in that crucial gap and then you can select from these overlapping psychological processes. So emotional intelligence is is one, which is basically having a, a just a, a, a rudimentary or basic understanding of how your emotions work, what sparks them off, you know, and being able to sort of pan out and control them. Um, critical thinking is another thing. You know, we, we have this tendency, a lot of people do, a lot of my coaching clients do, to just think, overthink, over-engineer stuff in my head, in our head, and that's what I was I was doing as a lawyer. Um, so critical thinking is this really, I think, crucial tool that they need to be teaching in schools but don't. Yeah, it's to, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, to just stop that overthinking. Um, and you have things like resilience, which is knowing that, you know, at some point or another, shit's going to hit the fan. We all deal with adversity. We all deal with pain. It's what makes us human. But you've got to have this mindset that you can actually grow from that and it's not all doomsday. Um, so, yeah, you know, if as I said, if you can make practicing mindfulness part of this your daily habit, um, you do become 
a different person and mm. I'm, I'm a living example of that. Mm. If you guys knew me 10 years ago, <laughs> I was borderline neurotic, extremely impatient. I would just live in my own head. Bit I, of an arsehole. I was angry. <laughs> 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 Don't know if I'd be... Yeah. <laughs> Depends where you're sitting from, I guess. Yeah. So, um, so, for like, so, so for like listeners out there that are like, well, shit, I could really yeah. use this, yeah. what, what, are they, what do they do? Right. As to like some tools as to how yeah you like how do you how do you start even for like for, yep. for ourselves like you yep. know starting to a, a, a beginner's guide to starting out right well look the most powerful tool that we know in terms of how to practice mindfulness is meditation right and I say that word and I know a lot of people there'll be a lot of tradies there in the car yeah that just, almost you know, a, spat their coffee out the window <laughs> bit cringeworthy I know yeah but there's a lot of tradies who are probably on the way to the gym as well you know. Exactly. They're about to do their physical exercise, yeah. right? So, yeah, exactly you know. right. And, um, you know, there's so many different ways to meditate. It's not just about being in that um, zen-like posture thing. Butterflies floating yeah. around your head and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. Like mindfulness meditation is, is, again, you know, it's being in the moment, but you can sort of mentally go through uh, a number of things, such as the things you're grateful for, right? Or, and I'm sort of a, a really big advocate on articulating and defining who our default self is, right? And that's such a simple question, like, who am I? But it can be so daunting. For is that a, like you're in a child? Is that that thing? For a lot of people. <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not necessarily. It's, it's about who, who you want to be, who you want to become. Um, like for, and we're probably digressing a bit, but, uh, you know, people who suffer from really adverse mental health, I'm talking about extreme stuff like schizophrenia, they have no default self. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, a lot of the times when we're second-guessing ourselves or, or overthinking, you might just think negatively of yourself and you think, you know, I'm no good and you have this negative barrage of, of this dialogue. Um, on the other end of the pendulum, you know, if, if you've had a bit to drink, you might feel overly confident and a bit cocky, you know, but, but articulating who you are is that default self. It's a person you go back to when your mind starts wandering. So that's that... Uh Completely sober, completely, you know, just natural being. You're talking yeah. about a person's identity. Yes, right. More or less. And the beauty of it is you get to choose. to articulate to choose to who as to who that person is. Mm. So I think I, that, yeah. I think that's interesting because I mm. think um, from where I've seen it, I think blokes particularly, you know, can struggle with that their you know their identity yeah. or their their, their, you place. Know, their, their place yeah. in the world. Yeah. Like, and I think particularly. You know, I'm going to say early twenties, but probably even you know yeah. late teens. Uh, I, I to, think it probably happens later in your twenties. Yeah, because well, blokes would get to a stage where you know, shit. I'm you know 28, 32. Yeah. yeah. What, what what am I doing? I, I think it happens throughout our lives. Like you think about the person you were when you're 19, mm. completely different to who you were at 25, 30. It it's it continuous continuously changes. continually evolving. Yeah, yeah. Mm. that's right. Um, but uh, when I so I got a lot of coaching clients that you know they come to me from all walks of life, different mental health conditions, and that's one of one of the first things we work on is just articulating who you are in one or two paragraphs, right, and committing that to memory. And there's just three simple steps you need to consider when answering that. First and foremost is start objectively, right, because we have we are wired and conditioned. Um, to, to carve out our, our identity in accordance with our nationality, our culture, our religion, our political affiliations, right? But these can have limiting effects. So when I say start objectively, right, each and every one of us, we are one of, 
bloody 7 billion people on this planet. We're all part of this collective conscious. And the second step is think of the roles that you play in life. So not necessarily your career role or what you do for, for, for crust, but, you know, the roles where you're adding value to other people, right? So for instance, I'm a father, I'm an educator. And the last step is, is select a few adjectives or describing words of the attributes that you need to embody in order to fulfill those roles, right? And I think empathy is a great one. So empathy, I'm confident, I'm firm when I need to be. And if, if you can, and back to the, the question, which is, you know, how do I practice mindfulness every day? Again, mindfulness is about conscious thought in the here and now. So controlling your thoughts as opposed to your thoughts controlling you. So part of your meditation could be going over that who am I paragraph. Yeah, it could just be, it could yeah. just be starting a diary and every, every night you yeah. write yeah, yeah. What, what happened yeah. and how you might have done it differently and then working on it again. Yeah. 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 So sort of re- reflection, yeah. I suppose, yeah. is just sort of being, yeah. seeing where you were at. Yeah, basically. that's right. I like your, um, I like your emphasis on um, starting objectively. I think yeah. that's, you know, really important because mm. it's so easy to get carried away, yeah. I think, you know, f- fly off the handle, yeah. you know. Yeah, or what have you, and I think being able to remain objective and see, mm. you know, both sides of the coin, and and, yeah. and kind of then evaluate. Great, yeah, and yeah, in that space, you know, mm. I suppose in that stimulus space response, yep. yeah, area, making yeah. making a you know an informed or a smart decision, yeah, you know, yeah, no, bang on. Mm. I think the other um, the thing that we should really uh, that goes back to that very point is that. You know, a lot of a lot of people don't know is that we have this subconscious program that that's largely laid in the first five to seven years of our lives. And you think about it, that period is when our brain is doing stuff for the first time. So that's when our concept of self identity, our our beliefs, our view of the world, you know, the foundation for those things are more or less laid. So going back to mindfulness, when you're practicing this regularly, you, you're able to acknowledge that this world is a bloody collage of, of subconscious programs. So you become, I guess, more you know, empathetic and you take things less personally and you're literally able to just sort of pan out and take this bird's eye perspective of, of a scenario. Say if you're in a confrontation, for instance, or someone cut you off on the freeway. So our normal, I guess, routine or habitual behaviour might be to get quite aggressive. Mm. But And I'm speaking from experience. Like One thing that, that mindfulness has taught me is that you can – literally operate in that little gap and and take things less personally and it's your actions and your thoughts that create your reality you know so it's really empowering stuff well i think it's definitely um you know you think now about um the power of social media and how you know phone notifications like yeah. you know wouldn't even know what the average amount of phone notifications is per person every day but it's sort of like this continuous fast-paced thing and everything's about yeah. you or me 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 yes so like it's funny how you say like that bird's eye view well that's literally just taking yourself out of it and looking across everything else exactly. rather than being in your own head so yeah it's pr- yeah it's a pretty good way of describing it yeah i would say yeah most definitely well you talk about that uh you talk i think we've had this talk before about this uh yeah. you know driving the highway and being cut off you know yeah yeah yeah. We've, we've, yeah you know and actually sort of just pausing and thinking well you know maybe they are a bad driver but you know maybe they're on the way to a family emergency or something you know and yeah. you just you know yep. whether you're going to let that that you know event Eat affect your day, your day and then <laughs> yeah that's right suddenly you you know yeah you're whinging about the the bad driver for the for the rest of your day yeah. or, you know are exactly you gonna let it affect right. you yeah. well the last time um we were with you um, at Fishburners here in the city in Brisbane, yes. you did a pretty cool little um, power of the mind 
um, oh, right. trick. A little thought experiment. Yeah. So, yeah. and I think it will obviously it'll work on this because people are listening. See, so. there were a couple of people listening yeah. anyway. <laughs> so I don't know whether or not you could run us through that again because it was pretty cool. Yeah, more than happy to. I just I think if you're listening to this driving though, <laughs> maybe uh, maybe don't close your eyes. <laughs> Because, um, yeah, this little experiment works best when you close your eyes. Um, so, look, we, we can do it now for sure. Look, similar to mindfulness and meditation, um, this little thought experiment commences with the breath. So, right now, as you're listening to my voice, just pay, pay attention to your breath. So, pay attention to the airflow coming into your body, right? Whether you're in your car or in the room, there's a little pocket of oxygen out there coming into your body. And get familiar with that and get to the point where you can uh, pinpoint when your inhale starts, when your inhalation starts. You know, it enters your belly and get familiar with, with the, uh, the effect that has in terms of everything's expanding on the inhale and everything contracts on the exhale. And so if you are alone in a room, close your eyes and I just want you to imagine that you are extremely thirsty Right? Maybe you've just run a marathon or you've been walking through the desert. But just I want you to imagine you haven't had a drop of water in like five, six hours and you're really thirsty. And then someone hands you a piece of fruit and you're really grateful for this. And you can imagine it in your hand. Perhaps it's got the weight of a, of a small apple, the texture of a mandarin. And then you can put your hand to your jaw and uh, everyone listening, I just want you to imagine you've just taken this this gigantic bite to quench your thirst of this little piece of fruit and you've just experienced this release of liquid into your mouth. And if you do this experiment properly, I want you to uh, you know, move your jaw around and pretend you're, you're, you're biting and chewing into this bit of fruit. But you've just realised that what you're chewing is a lemon, right? <laughs> And I want you to taste that sourness and that bitterness because you just keep, you keep chewing and those little lemon bits and the lemon sentiments in your mouth and just keep chewing until I tell you to stop. Keep chewing. All right, so you can stop now. And uh, what's happening in your mouth right now, Dan and She's Ed? a bit sour, mate. <laughs> She's a bit sour. Have you experienced like this increase in saliva? Mm, that's definitely, a weird more, one. definitely more than when I started. It's, it's that's a weird sure. one. Yeah. yeah. When we were walking yeah. through the desert, I was thinking, "Shit, I'm actually thirsty." <laughs> well, see, this is the thing, right? This is the power of thought, the mm. power of the brain. Like you guys have just demonstrated, you can activate your saliva glands by thought alone. If you were to actually bite into a physical lemon, right? The saliva glands, they're activated to, to counterbalance this spike in acidity. But it's thought alone that can activate our glands, our central nervous system. It's thought alone that can affect our biochemistry, our physiology. Um, and then, you know, it's not that extreme, but, you know, th thoughts can induce emotion. We are talking about emotional intelligence before and ultimately affect our reality. Mm. You know, so whatever we think about continuously manifests into our reality. Yeah, and it's I think the, the power yeah, of thought, and it definitely is. Yeah, I, mm. I mean, I've had that happen numerous times with things. And it's like, yeah, I was reading your your uh, article you wrote on LinkedIn yeah. in last year, and it was talking about you know overthinking and over engineering stuff in the courtroom. Yeah, and um, like I, I just think the the thing people do is that they do do that, but then they don't express it. 
Yes. So people can then tell you, mate. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Like. So you're saying they bottle them up? Yeah. Yeah. Bottle it's your something up. like, yeah. and I think that's probably the first step in the wrong direction. Yeah. You know, like that's, yeah. yeah exactly. So you were talking before about, and yeah. I've written that down, overthinking, because I think yeah. 100% of people yeah. could relate to overthinking yeah. any yeah. number of situations. Yeah. So can you sort of talk us through this critical thinking idea? Yeah. yeah, certainly. So look, I mean, critical thinking has been around for, for a long time as well, but critical thinking is, is taking your bias, taking your subconscious program out of the equation and the way you do that there's a couple of steps involved so first and foremost look at the problem at hand right look at your challenge your confrontation but try and sort of reframe that so maybe look at it from a different perspective you know um so really look at your problem i guess objectively you know not from necessarily your perspective and then after you've done that uh like have a look at how your initial reaction has affected you. So what's what's your perspective on it, so to speak? And what you'll find is uh, it's all tied up in in assumptions, right? So we assume we assume a lot of things that maybe aren't necessarily there, right? So when I was living in the UK, I, I had this mentor who taught me that assumptions are the mother of all fuck ups, mm. right? And they really are. They really yeah. are. We assume things without ever really looking at the evidence. And that's the most crucial step of, of critical thinking. So first, look at the problem, reframe the question. Second, look at what your assumptions are. And the most vital step is, well, what's the actual bloody evidence here? What's the tangible evidence I can point to, reliable evidence, um, you know, that, that is sort of affecting the situation? So it's more or less going back to the source. And you can use this formula for uh, even evaluating news sources, right? So you go back to um, what the evidence is, um, you know, uh, what the motive is of, of the other people involved. And then after you've done that, you can sort of try to reach a solution. But uh, before you reach that solution, it's like, how is this going to affect everyone in mm. the equation? Yeah. You know, how's it going to affect everyone? And then you can just decide from there and put that, that overthinking to rest. Yeah. So yeah. I guess, um, yeah, that's really cool. And uh, I guess with Tommy, you know, you're working a lot in corporate environments, yeah. um, doing a lot of training and, 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 and the like. Um, I guess the workplace is, you know, specifically a place where there's a lot of stress and people can, yeah. you know, feel a lot of expectation or feel like they're, you know, maybe not performing the way they should be and exactly and that can create you know lots mm. of stress and and then you know probably start assuming that you know they're going to get called into the boss's office yeah, or yep. you know what's going to happen what's it about you know am i getting the ass here <laughs> you know or am i you know that's right and then yep. and then and then you know it might all be just for nothing and they're yep. getting a pat on the back for job well done exactly right uh yep. but it's that you know so i mean do you see a lot of that every day yeah well every day yep I mean, the thing about the work environment is, you, you know, you're forced to sort of cohabitate these environments for a large chunk of your life. And, and sometimes there's personalities with opposing views. Um, sometimes. A lot of the times, you know. <laughs> when? <laughs> you guys are talking from your own experience. No. <laughs> well, 
But, but in saying There's that... There's only two of us you, in this workplace. <laughs> <laughs> for a reason. But I'm looking at you guys and you can harness that to your to your advantage, right? Oh, it does work to your advantage. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, got, it'd be a pretty boring got, world if there was a you know world full of Dan Allen. We've, so we've, we've both got different strengths, <laughs> but uh, you know we, we, you we've got the same, each other. same sense yeah. of humour. So that's, yeah. as long as there's something that ties it together. The yang. There you go. Yeah, we can always laugh about it. Yeah. No, that's awesome. All right. Well, um, yeah, it just about wraps us up. Happy with that? Mate, I could go on all day. Yeah. Paul's an interesting guy to talk to. I think it's really bloody cool. How's that you guys? What, what's um, what's on the horizon for, for Tommy? Well, look, I mean, Tommy started out as just being me getting up in front of people and speaking to them about the, the tools that have really helped me. Um, but now we're sort of branching into, like, I want to empower as many people as possible so, you know, the three arms of the business, yeah, we got our events um, and our, our coaching, but what's on the horizon is digital. So harnessing oh, yeah. digital platforms to have online courses uh, where people go, where people can go and uh, educate themselves about the mind. But I really want to make learning about the brain fun, exciting as opposed to clinical. Yeah. Yeah. That's 100%. awesome. And that's, awesome. that, that's our sort of approach as well with, mm. you know, the mental health space. It's, you know, it has been very clinical and very serious for so long. Yeah. And, you know, it's really hard to, you know, grasp people's attention and get a message across like that. Would, would you consider would you consider bringing this stuff out to the building site, mate? Mate, I certainly would. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. So how, how, how can people get in contact with you, Paul? Sure. Well, you can find me online. Find us online uh, at tommy.org.au. That's T-O-M-I.org.au. And uh, otherwise, I'm gathering this podcast and all the details will be uploaded to the trademark. Absolutely. It'll be on sure. our uh, yep. yeah, our Facebook and, and LinkedIn. Yeah. And Instagram TV. So, uh, yeah, Fantastic. check it out. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for having so me, Thanks so much for coming Thanks, in, mate. Yeah. Thanks, mate. You've been listening to Trademark's 120 Grit Podcast. To watch it online, head to www.trademutt.com or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at Trademutt. Thanks for listening.